Church. Today's scripture comes from the book of Psalms, chapter 73. Truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled, my steps had nearly slipped. For I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For they have no pangs until death, their bodies are fat and sleek. They are not in trouble as others are, they are not stricken like the rest of mankind. Therefore, pride is their necklace, violence covers them as a garment. Their eyes swell out of, uh, through fatness, their hearts overflow with follies. They scoff and speak with malice, loftily they threaten oppression. They set their mouths against the heavens, and their tongue struts through the earth. Therefore, his people turn back to them and find no fault in them. And they say, how can God know? Is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the wicked. Always at ease, they increase in riches. All in vain have I kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. For all the day long I have been stricken and rebuked every morning. If I had said, I will speak thus, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. But when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a worrisome uh, task. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I discerned their end. Truly you set them in slippery places, you make them fall to ruin. How they are destroyed in a moment, swept away utterly by terrors. Like a dream, when one awakes, O Lord, when you rouse yourself, you despise them as phantoms. When my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in heart, I was brutish and ignorant, I was like a beast toward you. Nevertheless, I am continually with you, you hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far from you shall perish. You put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. But for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge, that I may tell of all your works. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Thank you for that reading. Well, good morning once again. Welcome all of you for joining us as we come to worship our great God together. Uh, I am not speaking today. We have a special treat, a guest speaker who will be coming, speaking to us, and then leaving us literally across the country. Our special guest speaker today is uh, the Reverend David Yoon. You may have heard his name because for the past 10 years, he was the lead pastor of the English congregation of NYPC. It's that massive, great church that you see as you're riding the lure into this city. <laughs> Sorry. I threw him off up there. I was going to tell him about that. With a very obscure passage from Lamentations, but it's such an interesting uh, passage of scripture that they picked. Um, but anyway, uh, he recently has now taken on a new call. Uh, to the City of Angels, Los Angeles, where he will be uh, the pastor of a church out there called Inland Church. Is that correct? Down uh, in Los Angeles. So without further ado, can we welcome God's servant today as he delivers God's word for us today? Let's welcome him. Well, good morning. Thank you so much to uh, Pastor John and to the leadership and and the staff for the invitation to share God's word with you today. I know that was a greeting, and as I say, good morning. My question is this. Is it a good morning? How many of you guys 
got out of bed and said, yes, I'm going to church today. You don't have to raise your hands. It's okay because you don't want to incriminate yourself if you didn't raise your hand. And I love how Pastor John led you as the congregation to come and pray before the hearing of God's word uh, as an opportunity to kind of lay your burdens down so that there aren't any uh, kind of hindrances or any hurdles in the way for God's word to just minister to your heart and God's word to nourish your soul and God's word to really enlighten your heart, uh, your mind as well. And so it may not be a good morning, but I pray that after hearing God's word today, uh, it'll be a better morning. Because whenever we come into the presence of God, it is always good. And that's what I want to share with us this morning here from Psalm 73. And so without further ado, uh, let me pray for us and let's jump into God's word. Father, we thank you so much once again for your grace. We thank you, O Lord God, for your invitation that you gather your people into your presence by your mercy and love to, and in the name of your son Jesus to worship you. And at this point, at this part of the order of worship, as we now sit under the preaching of your word, O God, we ask, O Lord, that you would speak to us, that Holy Spirit, that you would open our hearts, our ears, our minds, our understandings, and that you would illumine the scriptures to us even now. And then for that to happen, O God, we ask, O Lord, that you would hide your servant behind your cross so that only your truth would be proclaimed, not not the wisdom of the world nor eloquence of man, but Oh God, only your gospel. And so we commit this time to you and we, we pray, oh God, that you would uh, stretch us and, and, and nourish us and convict us once again. We thank you. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. So once again, every Sunday morning, I don't know how much Pastor John walks, but I'm going to walk around a little bit, okay? So just bear with me here. Whenever you give me a wireless mic, it's more like, I'm free! And so I'm just going to be walking around, so bear with me. Every Sunday morning, we are invited by God to come into worship. And so the question as I started earlier was, were you excited to come to worship God today? Did you think as you climbed out of bed, or maybe for some of us crawled out of bed, did you think, yes, I get to go to church today. I get to worship God today. If you didn't, I hope that this sermon this morning will encourage you. If you did, praise God and and continue to relish and and rejoice in the blessings that God grants you, whose mercies are new every morning. So today I want to try and make the case for the value of being able to come into his sanctuary, to try and make the case of the the credit and the importance of being able to come and worship him today. I don't know how familiar you all, you all are of, of Psalm 73, but it's a psalm of Asaph. And Asaph was like the main praise leader of the Israelite people during the reign of King David. And here, we love the psalms because the book of Psalms is so honest and so raw and so true. It's so human in, 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 in its honest pleas to God. And what is the thing that we see here in Psalm 73 in the earlier chapter? And thank you to our brother who, for reading the passage. I didn't know 
uh, NCF has someone else read the passage. I, was, I, I thought I was going to read it. Otherwise, if I knew somebody else was reading it, I would have shortened it a lot more. But thank you for reading all 28 verses this morning. And thank you in advance to the next service who will be reading it. Uh, so it's a big chunk, I know. But thank you so much for reading it. Here, we see in the beginning of Psalm 73, in verse 2, that Asaph confesses this. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled, my steps had nearly slipped. Why? Because he saw that what? And I bet you, if you've been a Christian long enough, that this question has come across your mind, maybe even plagued your heart as well. And this point is this. Why are the righteous suffering, but the wicked prospering. Sometimes I wish I was black and I wish I went to a black church because there, there would have been an amen. I, I, would have, I would have been sworn that there would have been an amen there at one point or not, right? But I'm not black. You're not a black church, so it's all right. But, <laughs> but I, 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 I envisioned that in your hearts there was this, yeah. Why do the righteous suffer while the wicked prosper. Why, God? And believe it or not, we're not the first ones to ask that question. It's an age-old question here that we see in Psalm 73. Asaph asks that question. And one thing that I love about the honesty that is expressed here is that he says, I cannot share this outside. Verse 16, what does he say? He said, oh, verse 15, excuse me. If I had said, I will speak thus, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. Do you relate with this at all? Especially if you're a ministry team leader or member of the D board. I love that. I was like, what's a D board at first? I've seen other churches where they call it E board, where they have elders. And so I was like, oh, okay. E board, D board. Okay, so if you're a, a, a ministry team leader or a D board member, have you ever... Can you relate with this? I have questions, God. I struggle. But if I maybe publicize this, it might stumble other people. So I can't. It's really tortuous. It's really kind of like tears you up inside. And so he continues to express these frustrations that he has as we look back again in verse for they have no pangs until death. Their bodies are fat and sleek. I know many of this is the older uh, congregation, right, for the earlier morning set because the younger congregation can't wake up this early. So you probably already figured out what this is talking about. What is there to be jealous about being fat and sleek, right? In today's time, that's like a horrible thing. But back then, it meant that you were what? You were rich. You had enough money to be able to eat your fill, have all the meat that you wanted. Now that, you know, nowadays they say if you're fat and sleek, that's, you're un- unhealthy, you're probably too poor to uh, afford all the organic this and organic that and salad this and salad that, right? But contextually speaking, this is what he's talking about. Here, they have no worries of the world. They have no pangs of death. They're fat. They're well-fed They're enjoying life. And this frustrates him. And this bothers him. And especially as a leader of God's people, it 
gives him such conflict in his heart that he can't even seem to share this out loud. He even gets to a point in verse 13 to 14. Maybe this is another uh, point of relevance that you can relate with. All in vain have I kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. For all day long I have been struck in and rebuked every morning. Do you ever wonder that? I don't know how many business owners there are, but when you're trying to report your taxes, there's that kind of, oh, right? Should I, oh, should I write? I don't know. That, that could count as a write-off. No. Or maybe out in Queens in Flushing, right? every restaurant is cash only. Cash only for a reason, right? Because they're able to report differently from what they actually get. And maybe you just made that hard choice. No, we're going to report everything. Or maybe you made this hard choice. No, we as a, as, as a business, we will, we're going we're gonna to close on Sundays. And my apologies if any of you do have a business and you're opened on Sundays uh, because you're required to. Okay. And especially we know in our society nowadays, if you're like health service or if you're in the protection services with like a fireman or, or a police, and because society has to run, uh, we do make exceptions for that. So I, lots of caveats here. But here, there's a point where you think, man, what's the point of me trying to keep the Sabbath holy when my competitor down the street makes a whole day's worth of more money than I do? We live in a consumeristic society, don't we? If I open on Sundays, I know that the customers are going to come and then they'll come back because they go, oh, that place is convenient. They meet my needs. But me, I need to go to church on Sunday. So I have to close. And so I lost some customers over there. Or I'm not making as much money as I could. God, don't you want me to buy organic whole milk for my baby? In vain. Have I kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence? What a wonderful series this summer on sex, love, and dating. In vain have I resisted to keep myself pure for my future spouse because everyone else is having a great time, it seems. Or everyone else seems to already know about the nooks and crannies of intimacy, and I have no idea. In vain have I kept my hands clean? In in vain have I tried to keep my heart pure? Some of the points of trying to lead up to a point in the sermon, it it could be kind of anticlimactic. And here's my anticlimactic point to you. Do you know where Asaph finds his answer, the solution to all his questions and his frustrations and and pangs of his heart? He comes to worship God. Some of you might be thinking, well, I thought you were going to give me some crazy, awesome answer, but what? Come to church? That's your answer? Yes, it is. What? Come into his presence to worship him? Yes, it is. And why? It's maybe because we do, we have undervalued the the meaning and the preciousness of worshiping God, of what it means to come into his sanctuary. Because what do we see in verse 17? All these things are plaguing his heart. And in verse 17, the first word is the transition word. It says, until... 
It says, until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I discerned their end. Brothers and sisters and friends, there is something about Sunday corporate worship where things come together, where things click, where there is a realization and an understanding of the bigger picture of what's going on, where there are answers to some of the struggles and to the questions that we may have in our everyday living in this broken world. And that happens when we enter into his presence to worship him as a people of God. So from verse 17 and following, I want to highlight four things that we see from the text that may help us to value Sunday worship, to help us to see the importance of Sunday corporate worship, to help us to long for coming into the presence of God, to worship his name, to sing his praises, to listen to the preaching of his word. So what's the first benefit or first thing that we see? It is, an, it is to be able to have an eternal perspective. To have an eternal perspective. He says it is until, in verse 17, until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I discerned their end. Then I discerned their end. What does this mean? When he entered into, presence, into God's presence, his focus and his inward kind of thinking gets opened up and he's able to look not just in the now and get caught up in the immediate, but is able to look eternally and see that, yes, the wicked, they may be prospering now. They may be doing fine and doing even great right now. But their end is nothing that I want. Their end has nothing to be jealous of. Their end, because God is a holy God, and because God is a righteous God, and God is the true judge, their end is nothing for me to be jealous of. When we enter into the presence of God, how does that happen, do you think? Because worship, then, is not about me, or it's not even about us. But rather, we come into this place to worship a God that is far bigger and greater. But at the same time, the marvelous thing is that our God, though great and though marvelous that he may be, comes and meets with us. I'll touch upon that in a little bit. But here, when we are able to see how small we are, it tends to broaden and open up our perspective. And when our perspective gets broadened, there we are able to better categorize and better allocate some of the woes and troubles that are plaguing our hearts at that moment. Y'all should be familiar with this kind of concept, no? Even when you're doing a project, when you're so focused on that one detail, on that one aspect, it's easy to lose sight of the project's goal, is it not? And so then you're reminded, you have to look up from time to time. 
Any optometrist or ophthalmologist here, isn't it a very simple thing? When you're focusing on something for, for a long time, that's really bad for your eyes. You have to be able to what? Look up and look at something far away. Stop looking at yourself. Look at something beyond. And who, that, who is that? When you come into his sanctuary or when you come into worship, it is God Almighty. And so when, you're, when you come into his sanctuary... Your perspective gets expanded, and then you're able to see the wicked's prosperity is only momentary, and it's nothing to worry about. And my efforts and my, my seemingly momentary struggle of trying to desire holiness, to, 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 to be able to... Uh, be made more like Christ as, as the Holy Spirit sanctifies me and makes me more like Jesus. Though it's a struggle now and it may not look like it's worth it now, it will be so worth it later. Right? That all that effort, all that, all that worrying, there is a promised end that we can trust in and have hope in. It's to be able to live with that hope And when we come into his sanctuary and into his presence to worship him, that's when that hope comes alive. When we, secondly, when we enter into God's presence and we come to worship him, as I touched on it earlier, when we first come, we are amazed and in awe of his greatness and his bigness. That this God that is so holy and so majestic, and I am so small and so wretched and so sinful. But the second thing, the wonderful thing is, this great God comes down and meets with us. That this great God even became man to come and save us. That here we have, as I kind of, I'm going to throw these out because I'm going to trust that this is the older group, right? We are reminded of the eminence of God, his greatness and how holy and how far he is, but also in sanctuary, in his sanctuary, in the worship of him, we are also reminded of his eminence. Right, like imminent danger, it's very close, it's very near. So when we worship him, we are reminded of both his eminence and in his imminence. And in his imminence, then, we get to see his faithfulness and his mercy and grace. So that it is worth it. That it is not a struggle. God, where are you? God, it's not fair. Here, we are touched by his mercy. And this is where it's highlighted for us in verse 22, uh, verse 21 to 23. When my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in heart, I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast toward you. Let me put that in layman's terms for us, in the vernacular. I was a whiny little bratty kid. Okay? And then verse 23, what? Nevertheless. I am continually with you. Why? Because you hold my right hand. Once again, I think this is the older crowd. So for those of you who have children, and you're holding your kid's hand, 
My son is only not even two yet, 22 months. When I'm holding his hand and he is having a fit, he is being whiny and bratty and... Last thing I want to do is keep holding his hand. (laughs) I want to let go and say, look, buddy, wait until we get home. I promise once we get home, I'll get it to you. That's the last thing I want to do, right? I want to just let go. Like, oh, yo, just go to mom. (laughs) Praise God then. I guess there aren't a lot of dads that do that. But here, this God that you and I are worshiping today, this morning, in this very place, at this very moment, even when we are brutish and ignorant, ignorant of the gospel promises that we have, ignorant of the eternal perspective that we're supposed to be looking through, ignorant of God's majesty and both His personability. God is so faithful. God is always holding our right hand in His mercy and love and grace. I trust in your hearts you're screaming amen right now. When we come into his worship, we see both the eminence of God and the imminence of God. And when we are able to see that, hear as Asaph breaks onto song, for those of you who grew up in the church, the latter half of this psalm should have sounded very, very familiar Right? Very, very familiar. Whom have I have? Whom have I in heaven but you? There is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. What is the third point? When you come into his sanctuary, you respond in praise. You learn and you are taught to know what it means to delight in God. You, you come in touch with this creator savior who though you may be brutish and ignorant, though you may be the whiny, complainy little brat that we oftentimes become, he is ever so faithful and will never let go of our right hand. And when we come to realize that this majestic and holy God who knows my situation and will not allow injustice to continue. And in the end, in his time, that we can trust that he is a good judge, that he will bring justice, and that this very just God loves me and is so faithful, we are able to respond. I delight in you, and I desire you, O God. The problem of Mainstream Christianity and other Christians is that when you divorce these two, you either take the eminence of God too much and you become so far away, and that tends to make us legalistic or pharisaic, or we embrace too much the eminence of God and we take God too lightly and we just think, I'm a friend of God, and we just think that, that he's just someone that is just a buddy. Or when you try to invoke the desire and the delight of God apart from understanding his eminence and his imminence, it just creates this emotive faith, this experiential faith that is devoid of any solid teaching of his scriptures of who who God is. 
I love this in verse 24. In his sanctuary, what does it say? You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will receive me to your glory. What is his counsel? It is his word, people. So the worship has to be drenched in the word of God. And so we then, when, when that happens, that is when we are able to respond. I delight in you. I desire you. And then lastly, fourth. Let me recap real quick. First of all, it gives us eternal perspective. Secondly, it helps us to see God's grace, his ever-present faithfulness. Thirdly, it teaches us to respond properly in our desire and in the delight of him. And fourthly, it, tells, it, it motivates us to go out and tell. To go out and tell. What does it say in verse 28? But for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge that I may tell of all your works. Okay. Note what we have to see there, right? It is good for me to be near God, but do you think that you're going to be able to go and tell of all God's good works if you just stay there? No, it sends us outward. It sends us out. And that's the beauty and the wonder of God's uh, of God's working in our lives. He says, come here. I will heal you. I will administer to you. Now go out. <laughs> and go tell other people what I did. Go tell other people. And ultimately, what is, what is the point here that we have to always be reminded of? And I, I may have just kind of taken for granted that y'all, uh, or assumed that you already know. How is it? Just how is it that we're able to enter into his sanctuary? How is it that we're able to come into his presence? It is the gospel truth. It is only by the blood of the lamb that we are able to come and worship him. So that then the very act of corporate worship is an exercising of gospel truth. I may not be able to convince you from one sermon of the value of corporate worship. But as you continue to meditate on this and, and continue to pray about this uh, uh, through the scriptures, pray through this, this passage, I hope next Sunday you'll be like, yes, going to church. I get to go and sing his praises. I get to go offer my offerings to him. I, I get to go and listen to the preaching of his word. Because in that place, when we're in his sanctuary, these benefits, these things, wonderful things happen. And now, not that these are the primary. These are secondary benefits that we receive. So let us be worshipers, shall we? And let us actively desire to come into his presence to worship him as a church, as a congregation, because it is there that we are regularly then, as a body, exercising the gospel truth that we are only able to be in this place we are only it is only possible for us to worship him because god sent his only son to come and die for my sins which severed my relationship with my creator and by the grace of god and by the work of jesus christ and the application of the holy spirit in our hearts i can call that creator my savior god that then that you would be a church, that NCF would be a congregation that is able to rejoice in this gospel 
and always look forward to coming to gather to worship together. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for your word, for its honesty, the sincerity that is not always perfectly clean. But we, we, we do see, O oh Lord, that uh, we are able to find wonderful truths and wonderful comfort in your scripture word, scriptures as well. And so I pray, O oh Lord, that you would allow this congregation to, to revel in the worship of your name, to always get excited for those times of being able to enter into your presence in Jesus' name, not by our own merit, but because of every merit and obedience and accomplishment of Jesus Christ. And, by, and that by so doing, that we would be reminded of the eternal perspective, that we would be reminded of your great ever-present faithfulness, that we would be reminded to respond to you in desire and delight, and that we would be reminded to go forth and share all these wonderful, good, uh, wonderful, the good news of your gospel truth. And so we thank you for these wonderful blessings that you invite us to every Sunday. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.